Welcome to Axios Pro Rata, a podcast that takes just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. I'm Dan Primack. On today's show, Uber and Lyft are said to be racing toward IPOs and why rumors of an election hack could be as damaging as the real thing. But first, Saudi Arabia. And honestly, I'm not quite sure here what to begin with. It seems there's a new development every hour on the disappearance of Jamal Khashoggi, the Washington Post columnist and permanent U.S. resident who hasn't been seen since entering the Saudi consulate in Turkey on October 2nd. Now, the Saudis still officially claim that Khashoggi probably walked out on his own two feet, while the Turkish media, likely fed by local government sources, continue to claim he was murdered and possibly dismembered by basically Saudi assassins sent to Istanbul specifically for that purpose. But there was maybe a little bit of a shift yesterday, as President Trump tweeted that he spoke via phone with Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, and that the prince, known as MBS, quote, totally denied any knowledge of what took place in their Turkish consulate, end quote. It's kind of weird to deny you had nothing to do with something you claim never happened. I mean, I guess it technically holds, but I've never heard somebody say, hey, I didn't steal that thing that wasn't stolen. Trump also made news for telling the Associated Press that MBS is, quote, innocent until proven guilty, referencing the Brett Kavanaugh situation, which I am sure went over great with now Justice Kavanaugh. And Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said this after a visit with MBS in Riyadh. Told me they were going to conduct a thorough, complete, transparent investigation. They made a commitment to to hold anyone connected to any wrongdoing that may be found accountable for that, whether they are uh, a senior officer or official. They promised accountability. Including a member of the royal family? They made no exceptions to who they would hold accountable. The bottom line here is that all of this is going to come to a head in a week from today, when the Saudis still apparently plan to hold their giant future investment initiative conference. Lots of big business folks have already pulled out, but many others haven't, including SoftBank, and the White House still plans to send Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin. Now, almost everyone still going claims to be, quote, monitoring the situation, but they're gonna have to make some pretty tough choices if there isn't conclusive evidence either implicating or exonerating MBS in the next seven days. In 15 seconds, we'll go deeper on this with Axios World Editor Dave Lawler. But first, this. Axios Chief Technology Correspondent Ina Fried shares breaking news and analysis on the most consequential companies and players in tech from the Valley to DC. Subscribe to get smarter faster at signup.axios.com. And now back to the Pro Rata Podcast. We're joined now by Dave Lawler, our world editor here at Axios. And Dave, let's start with here. It seems the window for some sort of resolution here is closing fast. So my question for you is, if it seems that the Saudis did do this, if it was ordered by the royal family and MBS, is Trump going to cover for them somehow? Right. So we've been waiting for a statement from the Saudis saying basically we did it, but we didn't mean to. Right. That we've been there's been reporting that that's coming. It hasn't happened. President Trump's line is basically they're investigating it. We believe them for the time being and we're going to wait and see what they tell us. It does seem like Pompeo's meetings yesterday with the crown prince where he's smiling in the room, Mnuchin planning to go to Riyadh, Trump saying he's innocent until proven guilty. All of this signals that we're ready to take the Saudis word for it, no matter what they say. And when we talk about the Saudis word for there was a situation yesterday, Larry Fink, who uh, runs BlackRock, the largest asset manager in the world, he pulled out of the conference next week, but he was asked by CNBC, are you guys still going to do business with the Saudis? And he basically said, 
not only are we going to continue doing business with the Saudis, even if we find out for sure they murdered Khashoggi, we're still doing business with the Saudis. Is that kind of the box that Trump is in? Basically, hope for the best, but even if it's the worst, they're still our partners and so be it. Trump has already taken arms sales off the table, right? He's not going to cut arms sales with the Saudis unless Congress makes him. So that's a pretty clear signal that this relationship is not going to hit rock bottom. There are things that are keeping us from rock bottom. Another thing is the Iran dynamic, right? We want to put pressure on Iran, and one of our big partners there is Saudi Arabia. So Saudi Arabia has some leverage, not only with the business community, but with people in Washington, and they're clearly prepared to use it. How much of a factor here is the fact that, you know, we, we've obviously, we being the United States, have had a relationship, a positive relationship with Saudi Arabia going back decades, but with different leaders. How much of a factor do you think in the White House right now is the fact that MBS and Jared Kushner are particularly close, and, and Kushner is at least viewed as the person who has kind of been pushing that relationship? Right. So they've made a big bet on MBS, and Kushner's at the forefront of that. The idea is that he is the guy not only to modernize Saudi Arabia, but to be the key partner for the U.S. in the Middle East, in the direction that Trump wants to pull the Middle East. And so it takes a lot to, after putting all those chips on the table, to walk away and say this guy isn't fit to lead like Lindsey Graham now has. It's hard to see Kushner or Trump getting to that position. You mentioned to me uh, before we went on that John Brennan, the former head of the CIA and a major Trump critic, we should probably say also, is that the CIA will find out what happened and make those findings available to Congress. Is that what happens next? And does that put kind of Congress in a deeper box? Right. So the idea is that people have been saying we may never know what actually happened, right? Because if Trump's willing to cover for MBS, MBS isn't going to give the full truth. It's unclear what role Turkey's investigation is there. That's one to watch because they might put all their findings out there and that might make things very difficult for Saudi Arabia. But what Brennan was saying is even if Trump doesn't want to look into this the CIA is going to figure out what happened. He's very confident they have good sourcing, obviously, in the Middle East. And so if they do and Congress wants that information, they're going to be able to get it. And so that means that people are going to know the truth, even if the official line from the top doesn't match with what those findings are. You mentioned earlier that, you know, the arms sale is going to go through unless Congress acts. And it's interesting, though, right, because the really the only time the Republican majority in Congress and particularly in the Senate has really bucked Trump in the last two years was on Russia sanctions. So there is some willingness, it seems, and obviously Russia is considered an enemy where Saudi Arabia is considered a friend, but there has been some appetite by the GOP Senate to disagree with Trump when it comes to issues like this. Right. There's been a big divide on foreign policy, I think. And, and there are still some people in Congress on foreign policy. Some of them are leaving. I'm thinking of Bob Corker, but who think they're defending traditional U.S. foreign policy, right? U.S. values in the world, not only the partnerships we have, but the things that we're supposed to stand for. And so they've been willing to push back on Trump, like you mentioned, on Russia, even on things like funding the State Department, right? Trump wanted to cut that and they said no way. So there are still people who are willing to challenge him there in the way that on healthcare, perhaps there aren't. Let me say how to ask this best. There seems to be kind of now this presumption of guilt around MBS, largely because of Turkish media leaks, but also because Khashoggi has not been seen now in nearly three weeks, not with friends or family or anybody else. Is there an argument to be made here that this couldn't have really been an organized murder plot? This really was an accident just because MBS wouldn't have been this dumb? Yes. So I actually heard from a defender of MBS. I spoke on the phone the other day and their case was basically if they wanted to kill him, they would have walked up to him on the street. He wasn't guarded. They could have killed him that way. This was clearly an attempt to interrogate 
or rendition him that went wrong. This argument, as you said, this, there's been some leaks coming out that this might be, the Saudis almost seem to float this, this. We didn't mean to kill him. We meant to beat him up and then bring him back to Saudi Arabia and kidnap him against his will. I guess that's better than murder, but that's still not a great story. It's not a great story. It's something that Saudi Arabia has done before. So, you know, the fact that it's in Turkey makes it trickier. But if you're Turkey, would you rather they killed somebody in your territory or would you rather they kidnap somebody on your territory? I mean, both are bad. So it's orders of magnitude. And even Trump has said this, right? The crucial thing is if they can say we wanted to bring him back to Saudi Arabia and this was the intelligence agencies, this wasn't MBS, it didn't come from the top then that might be the escape hatch here. That might be how they can get out. And so that's still up in the air, I suppose. Interesting escape hatch, the dictator whose people aren't doing what he tells them to do. So either he did it or he's a bad dictator. Dave Lawler, Axios World Editor, thanks so much for joining us. My final two on Uber's IPO and fake election hacks right after this. Axios gives you the news and analysis you need to get smarter faster on the most important topics. In our unique smart brevity format, we cover topics from politics to science and media to tech. Subscribe to get smarter faster at signup.axios.com. And now back to the Pro Rata podcast. Now it's time for my final two. And first up, both Uber and Lyft are planning to go public next year. And this week, there have been a lot of reports about how they've picked banks and started floating valuations. And that's led some to refer to this as a race to go public. But it's not. First, if Uber and Lyft were really racing each other to go public, they would have done it by now. Second, there isn't necessarily a huge advantage to one going before the other, outside of getting to maybe set some valuation metrics and maybe get a little bit more PR. Remember how Dropbox went public earlier this year? Well, its rival, Box, went public three years earlier, and going second didn't seem to hurt Dropbox one bit. And finally, security experts are warning that a hostile actor could cause just as much chaos after the midterm elections by making it look like they interfered without actually interfering, maybe by probing voter registration systems without actually affecting them. Axios' David McCabe has a new story up on this this morning in which he writes, quote, Actually hacking votes takes a lot of work. Making it look like you did is a lot easier and potentially just as effective at upending public confidence in the results. So we have that to look forward to in three weeks. But for today, we are done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Adam Gracia and Tim Shovers, have a great national take your parents to lunch day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Pro Rata podcast.